grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. Good morning. I hope that you feel welcomed into the worship and fellowship of the church, whether you're sitting here in a pew, whether you're sitting at home in your pews at home. It's great to have everybody here this morning and to be gathered together as the fellowship and friendship of the church. We are here to worship the living God, so let us focus our attention and energy and hearts now on Him as we read responsively our call to worship. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he inclined his ear to me, therefore I will call on him as long as I live. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Friends, let us worship God. of Jesus, we know the promise of forgiveness. We know the story of salvation and we have claimed it to be our own. So what do we have to fear? Isn't it obvious? For God so loved the world. Let's go to God in confession with a hopeful heart. O God of mercy, you sent Jesus Christ to save lost humanity. Judge us with love and lift the burden of our sins. We confess that we are twisted by pride. We see ourselves pure when we are stained and great when we are small. We have failed in love, forgotten to be just, and have turned away from your truth. Have mercy, O God, and forgive our sin. For the sake of Jesus, your Son, our Savior. Amen. Yes, and yes, and yes, I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God.
prepare to greet one another, we want to let you know that fifth grade and under are excused to Sunday school when we're greeting. And also, if you're sixth grade and up, we have a youth group that's meeting even now in the youth rooms. My friends, may the peace of Christ be with you. Let's greet one another. Friends, I hope that you share news about each other with each other during this time, and now we need to share a little bit of news that might have importance to the whole church. So I want to mention that next week is the Super Bowl. We spell super here at the Village Church, S-O-U-P-E-R, because for us it's all about collecting cans of soup to give to those who need a little bit extra food these days. So here's how you can do this. This coming Saturday from 11 to 1 out in the parking lot, we will have a drop-off opportunity. If you have bought a semi-load full of soup and don't want to carry it into church, this is your golden opportunity simply to drive the truck here and we'll take it from you. Or drive the car, pop the trunk lid, whatever. We're happy to take your soup Saturday between 11 and 1. And of course, we're also happy to receive it Sunday morning in the receptacles out in the narthex. Now, you don't have to lug heavy, heavy cans of soup. If it's too much to go to the store and buy some soup, we understand that. All you need to do is to take some very light bills from your wallet or an even lighter check and write large numbers on those things and bring them to us and we will take care of the soup. This is our Super Bowl ministry. You know what it's all about. We are receiving new ushers into our usher corps. Those are important folks who help organize and orchestrate everything in our Sunday morning worship. Next Sunday, we're having a special luncheon for you to teach you about what it's all about. If you're thinking about becoming an usher, maybe God is calling you into that, contact Twyla Arant and she'll be happy to welcome you into that lunch next week. Very soon we will begin the season of Lent as we prepare to celebrate Easter, and we are inviting you to submit your brief articles for our Lenten devotional. Our theme of our preaching and our devotional this Lenten season will be exile, exile. If you want to know more about that, contact Laura Metzger and be sure to have your submissions in by this Wednesday. Of course, Ash Wednesday is the beginning of the Lenten season. That's on February 22nd, not very far from now. We'll have our traditional service of repentance and renewal that evening at 7 o'clock, so plan to participate. I'd like to invite Allison Noon to come up and join me here at the pulpit. As all of you know, we announced last week that Allison and her family are going to be moving to Atlanta, Georgia, and that means Allison will no longer be with us in supporting and leading our children's ministries here, but we wanted to take just a moment in worship, Allison, to say thank you for all the time, the energy, the devotion, the love that you have given to our children and to their families. We're going to be praying that you're going to have a wonderful re-entry into life in Georgia and that you'll find one or two Christians there perhaps to engage in fellowship with you, but we want you always to remember how much we love you and appreciate you and celebrate your ministry among us here at the Village Church. God bless. This is our emotional support interim associate pastor standing here with Allison. <laughs> Let's surround her with our prayer. Lord God, we thank you for Allison and Brad and the kids and for all of the family that has blessed and enriched our life together as a village church in these last years. We pray that you would surround them with strength and courage, with love and joy as they move into a new phase of life and ministry. We ask that you would help them to remember that the body of Christ is always one 
one. It is always united in bonds of fellowship and love around the world. Help them to know that they never will leave the Village Church family, but simply will be in a new place. And help them to discover new avenues of service and ministry and life, all as they follow you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, my dear. Love you. When we celebrate someone's ministry among us, we celebrate the offering that they give of their talents and time and service to God. But all of us, all of us are called to serve and to give and to be involved in the ministry of Christ with everything that we have and are and do. And so now recognizing that fact as we hear this next beautiful piece of music, I invite you to present your financial tithes and offerings to the Lord, bringing your offerings forward to the baskets on either side. God bless. seated. We come to a time of prayer, and it's such a special time because it's an opportunity for us to still our, ourselves, 
calm our minds, let go of all the stuff that we had to do to get here, all the stuff we have to do after, and just be present in this moment. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, just to be alive on this fresh morning in this broken world, we praise you. Help us to lift our faces to the warming sun and feel drenched in gratitude and wellness. Remind us, O oh God, to stop and breathe and breathe again. And suddenly the sweet scent of another day carries promise that calms and restores. Lord, we come from the chaos of coffee and eggs <clears throat> and a missing shoe. And for the newly grieving, we are relieved from the lock of night to be in the light surrounded by friends and caring faces. And there are those among us who are damaged with anxiety and crippled by anger and extorted by regret. And we have all of us been called by your healing voice to come and sing and pray and listen and hear and praise. We are mindfully aware of the ground made holy by your faithful embracing spirit and we willingly follow you into this sacred morning where all things are made new. We only could ask that you renew us, wonderful and courageous Savior. Help us to lean closer into all that you love. Let us be braver still to step out to the edge of compassion and caring, attending to the least among us in the margins, for surely we will meet you at that razor's edge. So we come into this moment together, Lord. We do not travel as single shadows, but as a golden movement that sweeps through the valleys and across any divide that comes before us. And there are so many of us, O oh God, and we follow you. We follow you into the Ukraine and Russia and Myanmar. We follow you into the grieving communities of Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay. We follow you into the classrooms and the courtrooms, the hospitals and the alleyways. It is our privilege. It is our calling. It is our destiny because in these places we go because we follow you. So we ask that you would put our feet on solid ground for this remarkable and demanding journey. Remind us that we are not alone. And God, let us link arms with your followers all around the world in mission and prayer and love and peace. Hear us, loving God as we lift up these prayers, and as we lift up with one voice the prayer that your son taught us when praying to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the book of Micah. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent you before Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balim, of son of Behor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come with him to, before him with burnt offerings, with cows a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Now a reading from the letter to the Philippians. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, Make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in, a f in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human-born form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. At the risk of revealing too much, I want to share a little bit with you about how my day usually begins. Sometimes I wake up when the alarm goes off, but probably more often than not, I'm already awake by the time the alarm goes off. How many of you have to have the alarm? How many of you are awake before the alarm? Excellent, excellent. Usually, as I'm waking up, I know where I am. But sometimes, <laughs> it takes a few moments to think about exactly where I am. Is there anybody who is not yet awake right now and doesn't really know where you are? Usually, as I'm coming to consciousness, I say something to myself like, well, I woke up today. I must still be alive. Okay, so far, so good. 
I stretch the muscles a bit, then grab my phone, put on my glasses and my moccasins, and gingerly descend down the stairs with exactly one goal in mind, the coffee pot, (laughs) of course. My prayer as I'm descending is that Helen or I remembered the night before to make the coffee (laughs) and to set the timer, and usually it's there waiting for me. And then, once I have my coffee in hand, I make my way toward my desk in my little office at home, and I sit down there and take a few sips and say, now what? Usually, I open the calendar on my computer, glance at some emails, read a bit of the news on different morning websites, and then start to look around the rest of the desk at the stacks of papers waiting there for me and the stacks of sticky notes that I have dutifully pasted onto my computer and eventually I get down to the computer itself that has my to-do list on it. And all along the way, all along the way I'm saying, where shall I start? What shall I do today? Now, it's not as if I don't have things to do when I wake up in the morning. Not only do I have things to do for that day, I have things to do that should have been been done yesterday or the day before or maybe even the year before. There's always plenty of work to do, but my question to myself is much bigger than just the question of, of what task, what chore am I going to start on right now? I look for clues. I look for clues in what I need to start doing right now from all of those sticky notes and from the websites and from all of the stuff that's going on in my life. But to be honest with you, all of the notes that I have, all of the information that I read, all of the calendars that I consult are frankly very confusing. And sometimes they're contradictory, and they're always very complicated. That's the way life is, I've decided. The messages we hear from the news, the messages we hear from our minds, the messages we hear from tapes that were recorded maybe decades ago that still are playing in our minds, all of those messages are confusing and contradictory and complicated, and and the morning time is when I have to make sense out of all of it in some way so that I know what I can do now. Maybe that kind of question exists for you as well. Is there anything from anywhere that can guide and direct us from where we are to where we want to go as we live this day that we are given by God? There is the question. From one perspective, that question is both asked and answered all throughout the Scriptures. Let's look at two passages, common and familiar passages, famous in a sense because they speak so well to both the question and the answer. Let's look at the passage from Micah. This language that we've just read from Micah is language that most likely was refined and developed and purified over time so that it could be used in the worship and liturgy of the temple and of the synagogue. It is beautiful language. It is language that summarizes much of the message of Scripture and in a sense summarizes the message of Micah himself. Micah was a prophet in the eighth century before Jesus, who lived and worked during a time when the northern part of the kingdom of Israel was literally being destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. Micah's message was about what God had done for the people of Israel, about who God was to the people of Israel, 
but about how the people had forgotten God and turned their back on his ways and turned to other sources of truth and inspiration and power to try to save them from their destruction. Eventually, in Micah's way of thinking and in God's message to the people, the people do finally begin to listen to God and understand that they have gone far away from their Creator. And so, in an act of worship that might simply be personal worship and prayer or corporate worship together, they say, with what shall I come before the Lord? How shall I present myself before this God in order to receive God's forgiveness and renewal and direction? Eventually, the question is answered in words that God gave to them, but that they began to repeat and words that I hope are emblazoned in your souls. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? If those words are not familiar to you, let me encourage you to become familiar with them, to make them family with you in your thinking, in your praying, in your planning. They're such good words because they say in such a succinct fashion what it is that we bring before God and what it is that God would have us do with our lives. And I want to emphasize that word doing have you noticed there's nothing in Micah's prescription for us about believing something? It's all about doing something. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with God. There are lots of ways we could expand on those few words. God wants us to live in righteousness, rightly, not wrongly. God wants us to live with kindness. We could also say grace or mercy or forgiveness. How would you summarize those words? Micah gives us such a beautiful example that summarizes it, but, but how would you summarize it? Maybe that should be your homework for today. Go home and write a brief emphasis on brief summary of this passage and then bring it back to me next week. Can't wait to sit down and grade them. <laughs> the Lord requires justice, loving kindness, walking humbly with Him. Here's the way that I might summarize that message. What God wants is for us always to seek the blessing and flourishing of others. Not by what we say we believe, not by what we, we say we are committed to, but by what we actually do. That phrase, that simple little phrase is such a powerful phrase because if you take it to heart, it begins to question everything that you do, everything that you don't do. Sometimes it condemns what I do. Often it corrects what I do. Apply that simple phrase to everything you see going on around you in the world, everything in which you participate, everything that you read about, everything that you observe. Is the world full of justice and mercy? Of course not. Because we are not full of justice and mercy. And after all, the world is made of us that's the good news and that's the bad news. The world is made of us and seven and a half billion others of us who pretty much are just like us. That phrase gives us one vision and for me a powerful vision of what we are meant to do with life. But there's more. There's so much more. I often deal with a question from people about the Bible. They say, you know, the Bible is not consistent. It's completely contradictory. It doesn't know what it's talking about. And I say, you just don't understand the Bible. 
Because the Bible is completely consistent in what it has to say. So much so that you can go forward 800 years in history to read a little letter written by a guy named Paul. 800 years forward, after Israel has been destroyed, after it's been restored, as it now is living in kind of a half world of quasi-autonomy under the occupying power of the Romans, and people are still wondering about the meaning of their lives and how to live their lives and whether God is involved with them or not. Jesus has come along and, and brought a message of healing and hope and He's talked about righteousness and mercy and justness and kindness and victory of life over death. He's demonstrated his power of life over death. And now people are beginning to follow him and learn a relationship with God. And in all of that, in all of that, they are simply learning again how to do justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. That's what happens when you follow Jesus. Look at the words again of that little passage from Philippians. They're great words. Words like encouragement, sharing, compassion, sympathy, joy, unity, looking to the interests of others. That's literally what Paul says. Looking to the interests of others. That's exactly the same stuff that Micah was talking about. It is a single, unified, comprehensive, consistent message of the Scriptures that those who know God, those who follow God, are those who look to the interests of others. That's what living with justice and righteousness in your life is all about, is treating others the right way whether they're sitting next to you in the pew or living next door to you or living on the other side of the planet. That's what following God does for you. It looks to the interests of others, loving mercy and kindness, steadfast love. I'm going to help you with your homework. Here's another way you can summarize that passage. I'll quote, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Have you heard that one before? Might have been a while, right? That's something we teach to kindergartners and second graders, the golden rule. But it summarizes it all, and of course those words came from Jesus himself. The golden rule. Now, there's one other point that I want to make out of all of this. And that is to talk about the beginning point, because I'm talking about the beginning of my day, the beginning of my world, the beginning of your day, the beginning of your world. How does all this begin to happen? Micah says, do justice, love mercy, and then what? Walk humbly with your God. If I were to correct Micah, God forbid that I would try to do such a thing. But if I were to, I would reverse the order of those things. Walk humbly. Love mercy. Do justice. That's because the humility precedes everything else. Paul got that idea as well. Again, 800 years apart from each other, Paul says to the Philippians, in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Is that not looking after their interests. And then he reminds us of something, something that we confess, something that we believe. He talks about Jesus and says, being found in human form, he humbled himself. God humbled himself. If God does it, might not we also consider the absolute necessity of it? Humility, humility in relationship to others and especially humility in relationship to God. As I think about it, I think that most of the problems of the world, most of the problems, 
There are some exclusions to that. The problem of hurricanes, the problem of cockroaches, those are excluded here. But most of the problems of the world are caused by people stepping ahead of God and taking the lead to get ahead of others, which is the opposite of humility. Let's look at a brief list. Racism puts other people down so that you can feel ahead. Sexism puts other people down so that you can feel superior. War puts other people away so that you can have what they have. Ageism puts other people down so that you can feel ahead. Slavery puts other people into your service for your sake. Dominance of any kind selfishness. Go down the list. Think of every problem in the world, and I will bet that you can trace one of its root causes to a lack of humility that seeks the good of others, to the absence of a humility that worships God instead of the self. You and I are called to follow someone who put others first. When we stumble out of bed, when we struggle down the stairs, when we face the day, we have a choice either to strike out on our own with our own agendas and needs and demands or to fall in line behind. Jesus. That's what humility is. To fall in line behind Jesus and to live as Jesus lived. If we will only do that, then the rest will follow. We will be able to love others and live rightly with mercy and kindness and justice and righteousness not just in our own little worlds, but in such a way that ultimately spreads across the whole world. That's why at least once a month here in worship, we follow Jesus to this table because it's at this table where we remember and see displayed before us the one who is God, who yet humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross, who gave his body and blood, gave his life in the interests of others so that we might have true life now and eternal life forever, life that blesses and enriches others. Ministering in his name, I invite you to come to this table to partake not just of bread and wine, but to partake of the very substance of the one who gave himself for you that you might be nourished and strengthened to do his work in the world. As we come, let me remind you, brothers and sisters, of a few of the family things that we do here. You're going to be invited to come either down the center aisle, if you are in these two sections of the sanctuary, or down the side aisles, if you are on the outer sections. You will take a piece of the bread. Let me tell you about the bread. You do not need to dip the bread into the cup all the way down to the second knuckle. Just a little bit of the bread, okay? A little bit of Jesus' blood goes a long way. Take the bread. Take the wine. Be nourished and strengthened by it. And as you're coming down the aisle, say a little prayer for that person in front of you or the person behind you because heaven knows you need their prayers. And let's do this joyfully gratefully celebrating the gift of life that Jesus offers. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever eats this bread will never be hungry. On the very night of his betrayal, he took the bread and he broke it 
And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Whenever you eat this, remember me. In the same way, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the sign of the covenant, the new covenant that I make with you that is sealed in my blood. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of the Lord Jesus Christ until he comes again. Come, partake of the gifts of God for the people of God. food to eat that we might never be hungry and drink that we might never thirst again. We thank you that we come, that the table is big enough for all of us, that there are no fences that surround it, and we are all invited to come, and we have. We thank you, God, and we pray that we might follow you today, close, close enough to hear you whisper, close enough to hear you sing close enough to hear you command, demand, and love. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's another idea for you. Tonight, before you go to bed, dig out that Bible that's somewhere in your house. Turn it to the sixth chapter of Micah or turn it to Paul's letter to the Philippians and put it somewhere that first thing in the morning you'll find it and see those timeless words to remind you that you do not walk first. You and I walk behind blessed Jesus who leads us in pathways of righteousness and justice and mercy and grace and love. If the whole world would do that every morning, we'd be better off, don't you think?
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and forever. Amen.